Uh, yeah, before we start, and kind of while we're transitioning from communion, I want to just do a quick short answer section to prepare us to think about what we're going to hear in 1 Peter. So short answer, I want you to just throw out any answers you can think of to this prompt. What resources do we have today that can help us grow in our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus? What kinds of guides or tools or helps do we have? Okay, somebody said the Bible. I was hoping you'd know about that one. Bible. What else? Concordances. Helping us find out what is where in our Bibles. Some Bibles have them in the back. Sometimes there's like a whole thick book that's just a concordance of how can you find out about love or, or forgiveness or different topics. Somebody over here. Church is definitely a resource of a place and a community in which we can grow in our faith in Jesus. What other resources do we have? Videos. We absolutely do. We just saw a video from a teacher who lives in Nashville, but he was teaching us and giving us some information as we remember Jesus all the way out here in California. Hooray for videos. Yay for YouTube uh, in, in some cases. Uh, what else do we have? We have elders in the church. We have friends. What did you say, Joyce? The internet. Yes. We have the spirit. Ministers. I know a few of those guys and gals. What else? We have teachers. Okay. What other resources do you use to grow in your faith? Prayer. Your own heart? Okay. Good. We, this is a good list, and I'm glad you guys are thinking about these kinds of things. I, I mean, we use Bible apps. We, we talked about videos. We have Bibles. I mean, I got my Bible on my phone or on my laptop or on my tablet. It's accessible. It is there. There are lots of resources that we have. I want you this morning to kind of imagine that you are somebody living in the first century, maybe a generation or two after the time of Jesus. You're in the Roman world. Let's say you heard about Jesus. You came to believe that Jesus of Nazareth truly is the Son of God. He was the predicted, prophesied Messiah. It turns out it's true what Jesus said. He is God in the flesh. You believe that and you start meeting together with a handful of other believers. Because there weren't any churches. There weren't, there weren't church buildings back then. You can just drive into a new town and look for the cross. That's not how things worked back then, but maybe you found some believers and you gather together in their home and you worship the Lord together. You, become, you begin fellowshipping with them, maybe in a city like Rome or across the Mediterranean over in Jerusalem. Uh, they didn't have a lot of these resources that we have today. So you're already, Christianity's new, there's limited resources, but you have this faith and you have this group of people. Now I want you to imagine that for whatever reason, you leave that community, and maybe you move out to a farther region, someplace that's not Rome or Jerusalem, maybe someplace out here farther north in a city like Pontus or Galatia or Cappadocia, places that don't even have a Starbucks. These places are not really on the map. They're on our map, but they're not really on the map. And in this new place, you already had limited resources of how you can grow in your faith, but you have even fewer now. And the Roman way of life there is prominent. And there's statues of Caesar in these towns. There are pagan temples. There are no church buildings still and not 
very many Christians. And sometimes you're not even sure if you can let people know that you believe in Jesus. Because you've heard stories about people who have gone public with their faith and now they're cut off at the meat market. Or they're not being invited to these social events the way that they were before. And there's even rumors about worse things that are beginning to happen. I want you to put yourself in those shoes. Imagine what it feels like to be out there all alone. What does it do to your faith? Maybe you start to forget some of the words to the songs that you sang in Rome or in Jerusalem. Maybe you're not praying as often. Maybe your views about how the world works is starting to become more influenced by Roman way of life than the gospel that you heard about Jesus Christ. And maybe you don't even have to imagine to think about what this feels like. Maybe some of us have experienced this kind of spiritual isolation. But put yourself back in the first century. You're out there on your own. Things are pretty rough. Then one day a letter comes. And this is what you hear. From Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles who are scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Somebody knows that I'm out here. They're sending me a message. What is this message that they're sending? Well, he goes on to say this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Well, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things they have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Woo! This is a good letter. This is what we've been waiting for. This, is, this will give you a spiritual boost and say, wow, I am seen, I am known. People understand this. This would have been amazing to get. Think of how you would feel when you read or when you heard this letter. Do you think you would read it more than once? Do you think, nowadays, if I wanted to copy 
First Peter, I go down to Kinko's, right? Just, we have a copy machine here. It's, you know, it's free or it's like 75 cents. In the ancient world, if you wanted to copy something, it was really expensive. It would be like thousands of dollars. But you might consider paying that to make a copy of something like this. Or maybe you would memorize it. Think of how surprised and delighted you would be just by seeing the very first word on the parchment. Peter. The very first word of this letter. Who it's from. It's from Peter. The Peter. The Apostle Peter. Somebody who walked and talked and journeyed with Jesus Christ. This is amazing to get this word of encouragement from someone with such great reputation, such a great faith. That alone would be a boost for me. When I was a kid, my grandpa liked to watch Wheel of Fortune. Anybody like to watch Wheel of Fortune? Oh, good. I thought there might be a few of us. He, uh, he liked the puzzles, I'm sure, but he also really, really liked Vanna White, uh, the beautiful woman who would wear fancy gowns and turn the letters uh, to reveal the, the, the words. He loved Vanna White, and everybody in our family knew that. Grandpa loves Vanna White. So when I was six or seven, I found out that you could write to Wheel of Fortune. So I wrote a letter, and I said, Dear Wheel of Fortune, my grandpa thinks Vanna White is the most beautiful woman in the world. Can you please send him an autograph? And, you know, this was back in the 80s, so you didn't hear things right away. And as a kid, I kind of forgot about it. But then one day, we were actually packing up to get ready to take a trip to go see my grandparents, and the mail truck pulled up to our house. And this is weird, because the mail truck normally just dumps the mail in the mailbox, but this time, the mail truck stopped right in front of our driveway. And the mail carrier got out, handed my mom a big envelope that had the words, Do Not Bend, printed on it. My mom gave it to me, and I opened it up, and it was an 8 by 10 glossy photo of the lovely Vanna White, and it said, thanks for watching, and she signed her autograph at the bottom. And I took it, and I gave that to my grandpa, and he was thrilled. And several years later, after my grandpa passed away, I received the biggest chunk of the family inheritance, more than anybody else. And uh, no, that's, not, that's not actually true, but, you know, I should have. Maybe he forgot about that, too. But think about how you would feel when you hold, held this letter in your hand, and this person that you've heard about, this famous person of faith, is writing to you, saying, you've got something. And we'll go on to see that you might even have something greater than what I have in the faith department. Maybe you'd read this letter and you would notice the adjectives that Peter uses when he describes these important components of our faith. It's not just mercy, you might notice, but it's great mercy. It's not just faith, but it's faith that is of greater worth than gold. Not just joy, but an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Not just an inheritance, but an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this isn't just someone who exaggerates a lot or one of those kinds of people that thinks that every bite of food they take is amazing. Peter is carefully choosing these words. And the concepts that he's writing about actually live up to the grandiose way that he's describing them. God's mercy, your faith, your joy, our inheritance. These are not to be undervalued. These are treasures of greater worth than gold. Maybe when you read this letter, you'd be comforted and encouraged by Peter's description of some of the things that we really want to experience now, but that he says, 
you might have to wait a little bit. He writes, though you have not seen him, Jesus Christ, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That might blow you away a little bit too, as you, as you realize the Peter, the apostle, thinks that my faith is something that's worth praising. Peter walked and talked and saw Jesus. He had faith, but he also had a lot of things he could rely on, his memories, his, his sight, his touch. But now he is praising me for someone who hasn't those kinds of luxuries. And Jesus himself even praises those who haven't seen him but yet believe in him. We can jump over to John chapter 20. At the end of the story of the life of Jesus, after he's resurrected, you might remember there was this guy named Thomas. And the apostle said, hey, we saw Jesus. And he said, ah, I'm not so sure. Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, ah, unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my finger where the nail marks were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, hey, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See, my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, and this is the cool part, because he's telling people who haven't seen him this in the first century, but we, we're, we're those people as well. We haven't walked and talked with Jesus. We didn't get to touch his hands. We didn't see him with our own eyes. And Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. The unseen things that we long for are hidden. And Peter mentions this. Another unseen thing that he reminds us of in this priceless letter of encouragement is the inheritance that we have. When God raised Jesus from the dead, those who believe in him were given a new birth into the family of God. We became his heirs. And as heirs, we have an inheritance from God. And what Peter tells us in his letter is that inheritance is secure. It is not going anywhere. Nobody can break in and steal it. Nobody can take it away from us. We've got it. And it's there in heaven for us. It reminds me of the first Harry Potter movie. At the beginning, Harry Potter, an orphan, finds out that he's a wizard. So this guy named Hagrid comes and takes him to wizarding school. But first they have to go and they have to buy some supplies. So they go into town and Harry asks this question, ah, I need all these things for school, but how am I supposed to pay for all of this? And Hagrid takes him to Gringotts Bank, and they go down to vault number 687. They open up this huge vault door, and there's just piles and piles of gleaming gold galleons. And Hagrid says to Harry, you didn't think your folks would leave you with nothing, now did you? And he takes what he needs to buy school supplies, and then that big vault door closes. And that's kind of what Peter is giving us here. There's a glimpse. He says, it's there, and it's yours. And you can rest assured that it's going to be there. But then that vault door closes, and he says, there's going to be some trials first. Harry Potter still has to go to Hogwarts and deal with Draco Malfoy and Severus Snape and the Whomping Willow and all that kind of stuff. And The same way, Peter says, your inheritance isn't going anywhere. But 
for a time, you might have all kinds of grief. You might and you will face all kinds of trials. But he knows and he encourages us that these trials strengthen our faith. And they have a divine and redemptive purpose that we may may very well not see. And Peter knows more than anybody else that our knee-jerk reaction is to avoid those conflicts. Let's, Let's get out of trouble. Let's go to the comfortable place. We looked last week at the snapshots of Peter's life and we saw he didn't want Jesus talking about the cross. He tried to pull him aside and say, don't talk about suffering. That, that doesn't play as well as some of your other hits. When they came to arrest Jesus, he pulled out a sword and he was ready to defend him because no one's going to capture me. We can't let this happen. He didn't understand. But he understands now in his older age, having witnessed the suffering of Jesus, having himself experienced suffering for his faith, that it's understandable to try to avoid pain. But it's inevitable Pain is going to come. Grief is going to come. Discomfort in this life is going to come. But don't forget, it's also going to go. Peter's letter of encouragement encourages Christians to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, to hold on to your faith, and to remember that your inheritance is already secure. He is inviting them to see the unseen. There's one other thing that jumps out about this first section in 1 Peter. This is, it's five chapters long. We're just going to touch on this first few lines this morning. But that's the word salvation. I don't know if you noticed that when we were going through the slides. Peter talks about salvation four times in his letter. And three of the four times appear in this passage that we're looking at this morning. This is something that Peter wants those isolated, spread out Christians to remember as well. You were saved by Christ, through Christ, so that you could live a life walking with Christ. Salvation is key. I want you guys to think about something that maybe you've been saved from in your life. Start small. Think about maybe an awkward conversation that somebody came and rescued you from. Oh, we got to go over here. Sorry. And you're like, whew, I was saved. That's good. Maybe you were unprepared for something and you were saved by the bell. And we can think of bigger things that we've been saved from too. Maybe you had an illness or something that was life-threatening that you we're saved from. When Lisa and I lived in New Jersey, we had a group of friends and we decided we wanted to go out to the beach one day. So we went to Belmar and we started swimming out in the Atlantic Ocean. It was me and two other guys, a guy named Russell and a guy named Scott. And we're out there. It's fun. We're splashing around. The water's a lot warmer there than it is out here. But we get to where we can't touch the bottom anymore. We're kind of like bobbing and doing this and then we get to the point where we have to tread water because we can't touch. And our friend Scott, he says, hey, guys, I don't want to be out here anymore. And we said, okay, well, you know, stick with us, and we'll all just swim back in together. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. And that's when Russell and I realized Scott was talking to us like this. The water was up to his chin. He was losing energy. He was going under. And he had enough breath and voice to say, no, guys, you don't get it. I need you to grab me. I need you to pull me back into shore. We always, oh, okay. So Russell took one of his arms. I took another one. We're just making our way back. We, we finally get in to where we can touch again, and then we climb out of the water, and we sit together on the beach. And Scott says, guys, I really appreciate that. If you hadn't been here, I don't think I would have made it. And that's the story of people who believe in Jesus, too. We have salvation through Christ. If he hadn't been here, we would not have been able to make it on our own. 
Our own goodness and our own righteousness, our own abilities can't get us back to safety. Jesus rescued us, and he carried us back home. And what Peter tells us is, because of that, your future is secure. You need to keep your eyes fixed on that. Now, I asked you to think of what this letter would feel like receiving this if you were one of those Christians in the first century. I'm sure it would be encouraging, and especially if you were scattered out the way that we described. But you might be thinking, hey, Christians can be scattered today as well. We've all just come out of a lot of isolation, and we're looking for other people to encourage us in our faith. Even when there's not a pandemic going on, there's times when we feel isolated and separated and unsupported in our faith. There might be times when you have felt like the undercover Christian in your school or where you work or maybe even in your own household. It's nice that we don't have to be as isolated as those early Christians. It's nice that we have all those resources that you guys listed earlier on. Man, we have so many resources. We have so many opportunities. We can feel like the scattered church, but like on Sundays, we get the opportunity to be the gathered church. We hear this word, and we're reminded of our faith, and then we go out, we shine the light of Christ, we share that with others. It's great when we gather. It's great when we get in pairs or small groups or study or or prayer partners throughout the week. That's so valuable. And we're reminded that we have this opportunity that the first century Cappadocians didn't have. And I wonder if we, we took ourselves and we transported us back to them. But what if they could come and see us today? What would they say to us? I wonder if they would say, you have all of these resources and you have all of these opportunities that you're not using. And I'm convicted by that. I am using some of that. I mean, and some of you are as well. But I wonder if they go, man, you don't realize how good you have it. You don't realize what a gift it is to be in Christian community, to be gathered with people who share your same faith. That's something that I want to I challenge myself with. Each week when I, I deliver a message, I write up discipleship questions. Because up here I'll talk and you'll listen and we'll interact a little bit with this text. But I don't want us to forget about it come Monday and Tuesday and beyond. And so... On our website, I've published these discipleship questions based on the text that we studied. Also, Sandra has been putting them in the newsletter, so if you've got one of our color bulletins on the way in, uh, those discipleship questions are there as well. And some of the questions this week will really challenge you to ask yourself, how connected am I to people of faith? What kinds of resources and opportunities am I taking advantage of to help me follow and keep my eyes fixed on Jesus? So I want to challenge you to consider that this week. But I also want to invite you, if you're feeling like my friend Scott out there at Belmar Beach, you're doing this. You're like, spiritually, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel unsupported. I I feel like I need someone to hold on to me. Then let us do that. Let us be the church that supports you. You can come and talk to me or anybody else here, any of our leaders, and you can say, hey, you know what? I need a prayer buddy. I need someone to meet with. There are opportunities that already exist. We have a Thursday night group that meets. Our doors are open every Sunday. There's just other various opportunities that you can connect with people who can help you in your faith and encourage you, check in with you, and pray together. Some of the most encouraging relationships in my life started because I found somebody that I connected with. Maybe we were the same age or something, and I said, you know what, why don't we just get together once a week? We'll meet up for coffee, 
check in. I'll say, how's life? You'll ask me, how's life? I'll say, how can I pray for you? And you ask me the same. Some relationships start like that, and each week it's been an encouragement and a boost in my faith. If you need something like that, talk to me. Or even better yet, don't wait for me to be available and being a middleman. I'm happy to do that. But take it upon yourself to tap somebody that you enjoy sitting with. You see their faith and say, man, I could, le- I could learn from you. And say, let's get together. Let's just meet and encourage each other. That's one of the resources that we have in the church. I hope we can take advantage of that. And there's usually coffee involved, so that's good. Let me, uh, let me pray as we close out this message. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for the encouragement that this letter from Peter gave to early Christians that helped it continue. And, and, and Christianity has survived all of these centuries, all of these troubles, and we're still talking about it today. And it encourages us just as much. We praise you and we thank you for this opportunity to hear your voice through your servant, the Apostle Peter. And Lord, challenge us to be connected to the people that we live with, to the people that we share life with, to let our our friends and our neighbors know that we love them and we want to pray for them and with them. I pray for your spirit to come and give us a boldness to increase opportunities for connection in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for this church that has supported me so many years. I pray that I can be faithful and encouraging and supporting them as well. We lift all of this up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Cool.